welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. We are live here in the uh, in the playoff rankings live results den. We have augmented reality graphics. We're going to different counties. We're zooming in. Pardon, we had halftime. It's election night. We had halftime of the uh, a thrilling finish between Kansas and Michigan State. Duke and Kentucky getting started soon. Uh, we just got our new playoff rankings top 25. I just... I, I feel like it's an intense environment everywhere I look. It's pretty funny to look. I mean, it's it's kind of comical if you take a step back and and peer down and and you know look at my Twitter feed and like the right. world is burning around right. me as, as the election results come in and we're sitting here pouring over like whether or not LSU should be seventh or ninth in the, in the, in the playoff rankings. That's right. So we're, we're going to have a, a we're going to have a little bit of levity here. And you know what? Maybe you are downloading this, uh, you know, as uh, it is late into uh, Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning, depending on where you are in the country or, or the world. Our thanks to our global listeners of the twenty four seven Sports College Football Podcast. So uh, at halftime, as we mentioned. We got number one, Alabama, number two, Clemson, number three, Notre Dame, number four, Michigan. In terms of our top four, and then I'll go ahead and extend it, Georgia at five, Oklahoma at six. Uh, Alabama, Clemson stay one and two. Everyone else moves up. You just mentioned at the talking point is that LSU has dropped four spots to number seven. I'll go ahead and round us out. Washington State at eight, seven and one, West Virginia at nine, and then Ohio State at 10, 8 and 1, the lowest ranked one loss power 5 team in the college football playoff rankings. So, uh let's let's start with this. Based on what we saw from the committee with its decisions and based on what we think could or might happen, who do you think is going to be the fan base on selection Sunday that is going to f- be kicking and screaming? feeling like they got screwed out of the game of musical chairs. I think the best team with bleak hope is Oklahoma. If okay. if they if they beat West Virginia say twice and continue to close like I, I do I still believe that as good as Michigan's defense is, that's how good Oklahoma's offense is. Like I still believe you could make a, a strong case that Oklahoma is a top four team. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't know even know that I'm necessarily making that case anymore, like I have maybe the past couple weeks. But I think you, I think you can defend that. And at this point, if Michigan wins out, and and if Michigan wins out, Oklahoma's not jumping them. I, I, if if now if Michigan goes and trudges along and, and look, I think the Penn State the Penn State win to me really changed everyone's perception of Michigan. Agree, because they just got off a twenty-one-seven win against Michigan State that could be spun as a, sa- a same old ugly Michigan win, but then you throw a sexy forty-two to seven beauty in there, and all of a sudden we're like, well, Michigan is in full control here. And so I I do think that if if Oklahoma wins out, there's a chance they're a top four team that won't have a chance to get in, just based on the fact that Michigan's in there. And you could also probably and and then in that same argument, you could argue, look, Michigan had their chance at a playoff team. They played Notre Dame, they lost. Why are we giving them another shot at it? Let's give Oklahoma a run at this thing. They're only lost a three-point uh, rivalry loss. And I'll also say this. Well, now, now I'm sort of convincing myself again. Look, we, we need to there's, – there's, we we're, we're all guilty of this recency bias stuff. And we are fresh off this Michigan blowout against a little bit of a beat-up. I don't, I don't mean to make excuses for it, but I mean a Penn State team that is not playing its best football right now. And hey, if they if they took more notes in class, they would be better. 
That's right. That's right. So it's the little things. Little things. But but what if what if Michigan look they're going to beat Rutgers? It doesn't even matter what the result is in that. I'm sure they'll beat them seventy to nothing. But it does, even if they beat them thirty five to three or twenty eight to ten, it doesn't matter. But what if they play Indiana, and and Indiana plays them close, and it's a 28-21 win. And meanwhile, Oklahoma's next three games just absolutely blows the doors off everybody. Are we really going to continue to act like Michigan is is deserves to be locked up as as a, a playoff team over a team like Oklahoma? I think that Michigan benefits from the fact that they they are going to look at Michigan in the Big Ten East the same way with or that division with the same reverence that the selection committee treats the Big Ten or the SEC West. And that is obviously a very high opinion if in this week's rankings they're going to sneak Auburn back into the top 25, putting them at number 24. If they're going to have Mississippi State, a team that, look, they, they are a 6-3 and three team and they've played a tough schedule. But in terms of my eye test of this Mississippi State team, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's number 16. And so that kind of, uh, I, I think that that kind of like respect for the, the quality of competition where Penn State is sneaking in at number 20, where Michigan State's at number 18, Ohio State's at number 10. I just think Michigan gets a benefit of the doubt where the, like as, if, as long as that one loss is Notre Dame, regardless of what happens to Notre Dame, I think Michigan is anchored as long as it wins out, as long as it wins the Big Ten. But is that fair, do you think? Considering we're looking down at uh, across this, you know, I'm, I'm just pulling up the rankings right now. As we look down at this thing and we're seeing 7-2 Syracuse at 13, followed by NC State, followed by a 6-3 and three Florida team at 15 that is that just got smoked at home by Missouri. 6-3 and three Mississippi State, BC at 7-2. I mean, I, I'm just going to go look – Forget it. Three three lost team, three lost team, three lost team, three lost team, three lost team. Uh, group of five team, three lost team, three lost team. Point being is like, they're all, everyone is just sort of a mess. There's there's not a lot of, of, of pretty girls out there beyond the top ten. And so isn't it just – I feel like it's a little bit of this inherent built-in bias of what conferences we expected to be the best coming in and they're going to give that bump to Michigan because of the Big Ten East. While we're looking at the Big Ten East, and it's Indiana, it's Rutgers, it's an ugly Michigan State team, it's a Penn State team that we don't quite know, it's a Maryland team that's not very good, and that's—I mean, what is that? Are we really are we really that impressed by that comp, by that division? Who's and and answer that question if you want to, or tell me who, if you disagree with me on on who's going to get the feel the most screwed. Do you do you have a do you have a different team? Do you think is going to end up feeling having a better case? I was going to go with Georgia, in the idea that Georgia plays Alabama close, and that Georgia would be kicking and screaming, sitting at number five, believing like they are one of the four best teams in the country. And this is where you know the the ultimate Alabama conundrum comes down to. And even you know shoot, I'll throw Clemson in here. If we're talking about the old uh, shout out to Bill Connolly, best versus most deserving. From what ev- from everything that I've seen to the football season, right now any college football playoff that claims to have the four best teams and doesn't have Alabama is not legitimate. And I'm not quite there with Clemson, but I'm close to saying that as well. And so if Alabama is going to get in no matter what happens and Georgia it plays Alabama close and it has the LSU loss and LSU wins out and they're sitting there at number five, they're going to be kicking and screaming, believing that they, as one of the best teams in college football, deserve a spot in the top four. But here's why I'm not going to feel bad about Georgia if they don't, if they're not in, because if if Georgia makes it to the, I mean, Georgia will play Alabama in in, in Atlanta. I think Georgia's going to play Alabama tight. I think Alabama. Right. I think Alabama and, and, plays that game tight. But if but if Georgia loses that game, then they that was their. Let's have some. Let someone else have a, have a turn at this. You know, they just had their chance against the the number one team in the country on a neutral side. It wasn't like they got them on the road. They got. I mean, that's their play-in game. And so, if you can't win that one, I, I'm 
I mean, I am, I'm sympathetic to you that that sucks that you didn't have the, the playoff experience, but the, all the playoff experience is is a chance to play Alabama. Well, you're getting that chance. Now, that would suck for them if Alabama then got in and you had to beat them twice. Uh, Holy cow. But, that's, that's what this is. That's like a... That's like Georgia getting in the Major League Baseball wild card play-in game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then you have to play Clemson. That's the way that goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, I, I, I think given like how, what a, what a mess. That and to your point about the mess, I threw this stat at you earlier. I think that David Hale, ESPN, threw this one out there. Uh, the and. At week 10 last year, at this point in last year's college football playoff rankings, there was not a single three-loss team ranked in the top 25. We had 25 teams that the selection committee saw with two losses or less that they were excited about. This week, there are nine. More than a third of the college football playoff top 25 has three losses. And guess what? There's another nine three-loss teams probably right on the other side of that debate that feel like they're just as interchangeable as any of those teams that we mentioned before, be it uh, a Penn State or an Auburn or a Washington. You know, I I think what I really believe is that the best four teams in the country are Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and Oklahoma. And, and, And yet... Notre Dame absolutely deserves to be in there. And so best versus most deserving that, baby. Right, right. right. And then there's a there's a most deserving argument. So if if Notre Dame takes care of their business, they will they will and should be in there. And and so if the first team out is Oklahoma, that will be a little disappointing because I think that they're I, I'd like to see them in that setting, but that I think that's what I'm kind of getting at is that's that's why they're going to be the the, the the belly hurt the butt hurt team because it's they they probably are a top four team I do think you, they probably are do you think that I'm allowed to put butt hurt in the headline of this podcast I I think so <laughs> I think so we're all adults <laughs> <laughs> we're not, uh, you're, not, you're, not, you're not you're not marketing this to like four year olds right no just yeah, just yeah. just the diehard college football fan right <laughs> we've got you covered from signing day to the national championship game and everywhere in between. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, let's see. From the notepad, as the rankings came out, Fresno State, no respect, eight and one, number twenty three in the country. Uh, other UCF obviously is still our top uh, group of five team at number twelve. Fresno State down at number twenty three. That's a good Bulldogs team. Selection committee has no time for that. No what about Utah State uh, anywhere either? What about LSU? Uh, not even dropping. I mean, there's three one-loss Power Five teams that LSU still above, despite getting beat by 29 by Alabama at home. Yeah. Any, any any take on that? Any any response? I mean, it just made me think about the times where LSU has backdoored its way into SEC championships and BCS championships before. Yeah. You're like. Yeah, no, you're right. No, you're 100 percent right. LSU's awesome. And the athlete and athletic director at Oregon, Rob Mullins, who's the playoff selection committee chair this this year, he said, uh, "Let's see, Mich- he called Michigan the best defense in the country. He said that LSU has the most wins against current top 25 teams of anybody else in the rankings." Yeah, that that strikes me as a fairly arbitrary, like. Uh, metric to measure LSU on because well it's the yeah it's yeah they have the most top 25 wins but, but look at but, all right so how about this look at the teams are, that those they're are between Florida and Auburn you know all right well, not even Florida what they lost to Florida so and, they, and my oh go ahead they piece they they put LSU between Oklahoma who you believe is like still in the conversation for one of the four best teams in the country and Washington State, a team that you and I both did not mention. I think that is a fair placement of LSU. If you believe that LSU is, uh, if if you believe LSU is a two-loss team, is on par with the top of the next tier of one-loss teams: Washington State, West Virginia, Ohio State. That's the right placement for them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I. I 
Where's your confidence? Do you, I mean, we have so much you, time. Do to get, you right. do you believe that they are the seventh best? Do you believe LSU is the seventh best team in the country? I believe that the number eight best team in the country is weak enough that LSU is the seventh best team in the in the country. And that's not Washington State I mean, specifically. I think, is, but, I, think, look, I think LSU at seven is defensible. Don't right. get me wrong. Um, I mean, I'm I not, saw them dunk over Georgia. I'm like a hundred percent shook by that. Right. Like I'm yeah. shook. I am shook by watching how badly they beat Georgia. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that was. Uh, I think look, I think that that's probably that's probably fair, frankly. Um, and yet, I do also think there is some healthy skepticism still there about LSU. I think. Uh, I, I think as we look at LSU's schedule, and they've got at Arkansas this week. Uh, that's a dangerous game. They won two Texas A&M the end of the season. They'll beat Arkansas and they'll be Rice. I would watch out. I don't know what the line is, but you know, locks pod teaser that could be that could be worth worth exploring. But like, if they lose to Texas A&M, finish nine and three. I don't know. Who then? Then then who who we we saying they've beaten Georgia and Mississippi State? I think that at ten and two, they're worthy of a New Year's Six game, and that's kind of what we're headed towards. Yeah, that's and that's 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 fair. I've I've talked myself through that. I think, I think I think LSU where they're at is is probably fair because then like as I as I scroll down and I remind myself what we're comparing them against. I mean, I just I, I think LSU's defense is worth Washington State or West Virginia's offense. Yeah, yeah. So I'm and, and let's not forget that West Virginia has the most one of the most dominated losses. Yeah, alongside Ohio State. Yeah, I was gonna say not more than Ohio State. <laughs> but that was they were as dominated. The score didn't right. reflect it quite as badly, but they were as dominated by Iowa State. Hey, uh, I had I, we I had a loyal listener come back at me on that one because I was I, I had to come back. I was picking against West Virginia with the idea that they got bullied by Ohio Iowa State, that they were just gonna crumble against Texas. Again, I I will double down on my credit to West Virginia. Last two games, they've been different. Yeah, and that was a big win against Texas. I thought Texas would win that game. I, I, I mean, I figured it'd be close, but I thought Texas would win that one. That, that was just that was a statement for the statement Saturday, baby. So uh, we got or Tuesday night here. We'll be recording Locks Pod in like thirty six hours, something like that. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna let this one fly. I think Michigan State does it on the field to to the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'll be locking up three and a half. And does it make? Do, do you wish Rocky Lombardi was playing instead of Brian Lewerke? Yes, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. And I'm not ruling out the chance that we might see him. Uh, Mark, Mark D'Antonio doubled down on uh, on, on Lewerke this week. I think I saw that. Okay. He's like, he's our starter. He's our starter. Just everyone, he's our starter. It's like, all right, man. So much. You. I mean, it's just. There's no reason for me to buy Ohio State stock anymore. No, it doesn't, and, and it doesn't fit. It's not as if Ohio State is the type of team that. I mean, I think if 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 there are cracks in the in the Ohio State building, it's not like Michigan State where it's where that's just sort of character building. It's just sort of the way you like it. You know, if there's cracks in Ohio State, <laughs> it's going to come apart real crumbling. fast. <laughs> Michigan, Michigan State—that's like part of the—that's like part of the uh, the appeal. You know, you want it to be a little, a little rough. Paint needs a little paint job or something. Ohio State—you want that thing shiny. Yeah, it's not shiny. No. Um. No. All right. Any uh, any other big playoff rankings? No, I mean. UCF may just sit there at twelve for eternity. They may just be. They, they may just have locked locked them in at twelve, and they'll keep on winning. They'll be twelve at twelve and zero. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see them them inching out too much. Yeah, I mean they they had a chance in that Temple game to like all of a sudden have everyone going into the weekend like wow you know UCF is one of the most efficient offenses in the country. They're so good. And they didn't, and they almost lost it. Hey, can, can we? Uh, first of all, 
I think we both agree NC State at 14 at 6 and 2 is uh it's it's either wrong or reflective or 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 an incredibly strong uh reflection on what Clemson is. Yeah. Uh, that's A, but B, can we make a pact, make a make a uh, a, a cyber handshake that if Syracuse is still 13 or better by this time next week that we need we need like a full-on uh dino babers close your eyes rewinds leading up into that notre dame syracuse game i think that's guaranteed all right good I'm, i'm giddy just thinking about it when we uh when we mentioned it on the last podcast i dropped it in all right. Okay. Good. So the listeners have gotten it. But but we need. But like I, I look. If, if if we get a showdown between number Barton, Barton wants the goods. Barton yeah, wants. Want, uh, Barton I, wants. It. We need to take a good two and a half minutes, whatever that clip it. is, and just sit back, close our eyes, put our hands behind our head, and listen to Dino <laughs> sing us sweet lullabies about <laughs> the Carrier Dome <laughs> and the no huddle offense and the special teams that is disciplined. Right, right, right. Because it's an offense that does not huddle and a special teams that is disciplined. (laughs) Syracuse, by the way, playing Louisville on Friday night in the Carrier Dome. Open your eyes. Oh, man. That sounds tasty. That sounds real tasty. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm all good here. You want to to throw it to the Dodd Father? Yeah, let's dot it up. The magic bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined $20 million this season. Those two guys alone will make $13 million more than the entire map. And now it's time to welcome in the Dodd Father. Dennis Dodd joins us, uh, the senior college football columnist for CBS Sports. Uh, we, he, Dennis, you were uh, at the game of the year of the century of the millennium. You were there in Baton Rouge and you did not get memed quite like the sad LSU. Uh, in fact, in fact, Dennis, I, I bet that in terms of the long, exciting day leading up to that game and the way that you were able to really hone in your writing in the third quarter, that was about the perfect on-site experience. It was. I was scheduled for uh, scheduled. I, I was due to go to about five tailgates just to renew acquaintances with people I knew there. And I think I got to two because we had on, on CBS Sports HQ, we had two hits before the game, which is fine. That's why I'm there to work. But did did get to sample the uh, the pregame. Got some uh, fried gator on a Friday night at, at Pa Rains, one of the best fish places in, in Baton Rouge. Um, and, and you're right. Uh, if you're writing that game, uh, if it's decided in the third quarter and you can hack away, then that's probably the perfect scenario. <laughs> I was, right. I was uh, unbelievable. I was out of there at midnight. I couldn't believe it. Damn. So you certainly didn't expect that. Um, you know, we've spent a lot of <laughs> we've spent a lot of time talking. Alabama uh, and sort of, you know, Alabama's distance from everybody else. But what about the the next step for LSU? Because there were a couple comments that came out from Coach O afterwards. There was, yeah. uh, you know, we need to recruit better linemen. And then there have been more comments that have come out of practice this week. They felt like uh, Alabama caught them off guard. It felt like there was, there was a, a sentiment of being underprepared for the contest. What's the next step for LSU now? You know, try to grab a, a New Year's Six Bowl. I think this can still be a, a vastly um, successful season with that. I, I just, you know, it's like when you run into, uh, you know, a snowplow and you're going to get plowed under, and that's what happened. That's what happened to everybody this season with with Alabama. I I, I thought the comments about his players were were a little bit, you know, too much. What do what do the kids in the room think about that? You know, we've got it. We've got to recruit better players. Well, they just laid their lives out there, basically trying to beat these guys and basically, you know, throwing them under the bus. I, I know a few people in the profession saw that and were not pleased with Coach O's comments. And I, I don't know if I was in the locker room, I'd be pleased either. So, but they've still got, you know, they still got a lot to play for. The the A and M game at the end will probably be you know, for them to be in a New Year's Six Bowl and, and maybe A&M if, uh, if they can win out. So we'll is, see. Is LSU a top-ten team? 
you know, I have them right at 10, I think. Um, I, I would say yes, although they got they got handled pretty well defensively, too. It, it wouldn't have mattered if Devin White played the whole game. And they went right at those. You know, they went right at Greedy Williams. They went right at Grant Delpit. And they had some big plays and actually had an interception of Tua for the first time. But but Alabama did not play scared. They Half the field wasn't taken away. Uh, I still think LSU, based on what they've accomplished this year, that game was not a good indicator. I, I, I think, yes, I still think they're, they're a top 10 team. You were uh, I don't, en route to Alabama or maybe before, maybe after. I understand you had a chance to visit with the Tungavailoa clan. Uh, what, talk to us about that trip. What did you get out of that? What did you learn from, from that visit? Yeah, I knew the dad a little bit. I had uh, interacted with him, I think, when Tua got there. And actually talked to him in Hawaii um, when two had gotten there. And then that was before they made the decision to move uh, in April of 17, they told me. But I just, you know, this just this whole phenomenon of these this Hawaiian family and culture relocating to Alabama, uh, living in a suburb of Birmingham, Alabaster. It's about an hour from Tuscaloosa in in you know, not only going to all of Tua's games, except for Arkansas, it was too hard to get there with their son playing Friday night. But the son, Talia, who, like, by all accounts, might be better than Tua. Certainly taller, certainly great arm. Um, and Alabama's going to go, going to get him, too. There was a game a week ago Friday where Talia Tangovaloa played Paul Tyson of, uh, what's the high school? Um, Trustful. Yeah, he would trust Phil. And both quarterbacks are committed to Alabama. And Paul Tyson's great-grandfather is Bear Bryant. So, how, I mean, they're set. Alabama's yeah. set for their their next three rotations of quarterbacks. It's un- they're all really, really good. So, no, the, the family, very humble. Um, when I got there, uh, Talia was doing his homework, wasn't allowed to speak. They have a nephew that lives with them, two daughters. And it's just it's a just a nice modern home, very faith based. Uh, they they did tell some great stories that that day. It was the Wednesday of the off week. Talia, who's been uh, committed to Alabama for a long, long time, it just got an offer from Georgia. Yeah. So it's not. I guess he's, Georgia doesn't think he's committed, so they're still going after. Him. He was visiting LSU for that game. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's the modern recruiting world. And they had, I asked them about, I don't even know if I included it in the story. I asked them about Jalen Hurts and, you know, hey, would, would, he, would he have transferred if Jalen got the job? Which nobody thought he would. They kind of talked around it and at the end of the day went, well, you know, we might have had a, a decision to make, but it didn't come to that. So, no, uh, Diane and uh, Nalu, T- Tango Viola, they were great. Um, the, the, the news right now. That that's starting to buzz a little bit is about this this Kansas job and and mm-hmm. that's that's down the road from you Dennis that's sort of your backyard you kind of know that that area as much as anybody what's what are we to make of this job I I, I think generally speaking I'm curious who you think they should be going after maybe who you think they are going after but the the buzz that's being created right now or or, or that that's circulating is is the Les Miles name. Um, what, what's, do you think that's legit a, and, and do you think that's be a good, good hire B it's legit? He's interested. Uh, I had dinner with him Thursday night last week and he reiterated that fact, uh, there as of Monday, uh, there had been no contact between the two, but that doesn't mean that the school and the agents could have talked. In fact, that's probably what did happen. And I think it right now he's, the number one choice. I still think there's a lot of betting going on, but I think he makes sense for Kansas because if it's not somebody like him, there's not too many people I can think like him, an accomplished coach sitting there who would take the job with that, that much, uh, that highly decorated, then whoever they get, you can pretty much, you know, say they're going to be gone in four years. Either they're going to win and leave for a better job or they're going to be fired. You know, there's no there's no long you're not going to stay at Kansas if you win, you know, in other words. And we know what happens if you don't. 
uh, you're going to try to get to uh, to someplace better. It's one of those schools at the bottom of Power Five. It's Power Five in name only. They're lacking in facilities. They're lacking in stadium upgrades. But as Mark Mangino proved, you can win there. And a guy like Les Miles isn't going to leave there to jump back up to the SEC. He turned 65 on Saturday, on November 10th. And, you know, it's with Les, I think it started out after he left LSU. It was like, well, I, you know, I only want a Power 5 job. Then it became anything, and then anything became Kansas, which I have no problem with. He just, look, he doesn't care about the money. He just wants to coach, like a, a lot of these guys. They just want to be on the field and coach and, see what, and, and call ball plays. So I, I think he's the best option right now. You know, if not, then you're probably looking at a Mac, you know, a young Mac coach or some up and comer like that. Maybe David Doran. I don't know. If you're if you're David Doran, do you leave North Carolina State? You know, after you started out six and zero, it looks like you have something going. Maybe I don't know. He's got local ties to to Kansas. So. Uh, no, I, I, I think uh, – and they have to move quickly. I think they'll move quickly, probably move within a couple of weeks on this. Wow. Can, can I can – I, correct me here and, and set me straight if you want mm-hmm. to, Dennis. But my, my impression of a less miles to Kansas hire would be a guy that is, is really good recruiting, mm-hmm. has done a great job of, of accumulating talent at a very talent-rich area at LSU – he has done a great job of getting that talent to play hard and be be disciplined and uh, and tough and and be a good football teams. And yet he's also a guy that's been very unimaginative from an offensive scheme standpoint, very old school in that regard. As I look at this job, that to me, I, I don't know that it, like it, that doesn't sound like a home run to me. A coach that that doesn't have the same pool of, of resources to dip into from a recruiting standpoint, who's going to play in the Big 12 and perhaps, you know, if, if you're not involved offensively in the Big 12 and you got to keep up with those schools, I, that, that seems like a, a recipe for some struggles. I don't, I, to me, I, hey, Jason Candle or, yeah, yeah. you know, I, just some, someone, uh, yeah, if, if, hey, if a coach leaves in four years after building the program up, then, Hey, you're, you're in a lot better shape than you are now. I, I don't know that I get the less miles hired. Yeah, I, I think all those things you said are true. Um, well, somebody told me something this week that was interesting. You know, this may be a two-coach turnaround. And, if you know, in, in other words, whoever comes in is not going to get this done in four years. You know, let's say that, that that could absolutely be true the way things have gone there. I've also heard the comparison to Charlie Weiss. Uh, you know, a coach, uh, a quote-unquote accomplished coach out of work. I think the difference here is that, um, you know, Les Miles has already said he would he would run the spread, which you have to in the Big 12. I think he's got his offensive coordinator picked out if he'd come. Um, and based on what that guy's doing right now, I, I don't know if he'd be available, but uh, he would switch the spread. No NCA sanctions. Can, can recruit, you're right, um, and would bring unprecedented attention to the program at a time when they need to raise money. The, the, Jeff Long told me it's the first thing they're going to do and you know, after hiring the coach is address the infrastructure of the program to down to the, the micro level, you know, getting each coordinator, a secretary, stuff like that, hiring more analysts, hiring more staff, you know, ramping it up to just, to just normal um, levels. But yeah, I, I think all those concerns are true. I, I think the, the winning pitch though, is that, you know, you're not you're not going to lose this guy. This could be a retire if he succeeds. It could be a retirement job for him. And if it's if it is a two coach turnaround, but that's one heck of a bridge coach. You know, so yeah, uh, unimaginative, but I think willing to change. Less miles talking to a room full of boosters goes over better than Jason Candle <laughs> talking to a room full of boosters. Yeah. Um, you're just going to be able and, to raise money when he just wraps that national title ring on the table. Yeah. And they, you know, there, there'd be a honeymoon and he'd be given some, some rope there. And the other thing is they have money, uh, to do this. Uh, one of their biggest boosters is, is all in on helping fund this. It, it, you know, if they get the right guy and I, I think less miles, at least perceptively would, would be that right guy. Wow. What about, um, 
Maryland. What's the what? What's your yeah. your general read on the future of the Terps? I you know I think if unless you know they just crash and burn, they got to take a hard look at, at Matt Canada <laughs> and keeping him. Now the problem there is he was on that staff. Right, all that stuff happened, and that that may be a big negative. But I think the the players have taken to him. They didn't play well Saturday. They're one game game away from bowl eligibility. Um, you know if if both sides would be willing to look, you know, I think Mike Loxley would be a heck of a heck of a pickup. He's been there, obviously, knows how to recruit the D.C. area, has remade his image at Alabama. It would take it would take one phone call from Nick Saban, I think, to get it done. You know, the issue is that, you know, he didn't win at New Mexico. He didn't win the first time at Maryland, punched an assistant at New Mexico uh, they had, I think it had harassment claims that were later dropped by a secretary at New Mexico. But when you go in that analyst bunker at Alabama, all sins seem to be washed away. And he's having, based on what I saw Saturday, and he's calling plays, he's having one hell of a year. Uh, so I think they could do worse than that. Wow. Um, is it, Wow. So Mike Loxley is really just going to be out here with a Power 5 job in 2019. I, I don't know that. Um, you know, that uh, might be the only one, though. That might be that the only one that he actually one. could fit fit for. Yeah, yeah, kind of like Petrino at Louisville. And there's another. There's another topic. <laughs> right, That's right. Got to be over, right? It's oh yeah, got to be. I, fi- I filed, uh, you know, the hot seat based on him being number one and out after seventy-seven to sixteen, which looked uh, it almost looked personal with Dabo. I don't know if there's a history there or not. Chip, you don't think so? I I don't think that there's a particular like a a single thing that they were doing. I mean, they were handing the yeah. ball off to Dexter Lawrence. You know, right? It, right. I I just think that right. <laughs> I just think that right now, Clemson. In the last two weeks, I've had to spend way more time than I've wanted to watching Clemson, Florida State, and Clemson, Louisville. And it was crazy because those games used to be Clemson's season, even as much as two years ago, and they had their twos and threes. The backups of the backups were in there whooping up on starters in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, what does that say about the ACC this year? I mean, I don't know that you. If you say that, that's talking trash on Boston College and Syracuse being pretty good this season. Yeah, yeah. It's just well, anybody who tries to say that one division is more lopsided than the other. You just point to the time when Wake Forest and Boston College won the Atlantic. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, we'll see. I mean, I think it's a stretch. You know, game day must have been looking for a reason to go to Boston. That game doesn't, you know, I, I know Boston College is 6-2 and two or 7-2, and two, whatever they are, and they're ranked and everything, but that doesn't, you know, oh, my God, what a clash. Dennis, I can't have you talking down to my Eagles like this. I know, I this know. This is a good and Boston I love, College I team. What, I love what Adazio's done, but, you know, if uh, if we if he was left in charge of marching on Paris, uh, we'd still be marching, you know, throw the ball once in a while or get a quarterback. I think it's – Go ahead, Barton. It's the only well, it's the only losable game left on Clemson's schedule. It I, is. I think they're 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 a better candidate to beat them than anybody else they're playing, including South Carolina or you know whoever's left. Uh, and and it is Chestnut Hill at night in the cold. Yeah. So crazy seen, things could happen. Not that I've seen I, Miami go up there it. and struggle. Yeah. You're right. right. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I've got Syracuse and Yankee Stadium as the uh, last big threat for Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I thought no, I thought Northwestern, and they did struggle with them for three quarters, I think. But yeah, the Northwestern thing is kind of interesting with with Dino Babers, and I think they let they they lead the country in plays run per game, whatever that means these days. That doesn't necessarily mean you win, but we know how they run things. And Eric Dungy, a savvy um, older quarterback. Uh, and Dino Babers kind of has kind of has established himself on a neutral field. That I don't know. What do you guys think? Overwhelmingly Notre Dame in New York. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I think that that's another one that's dangerous. Yeah. Oh, are you, are you talking have, about the crowd? I, I think the crowd is Notre Dame. Right. Oh, is that what you're asking? That, oh, that's yeah. what I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dame. I got you. Yeah. 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 And then uh, USC. They're it. they're going to be beat up. They go to USC, which you know Clay Helton. Uh, and that whole situation could go one or two ways. They could play in the Rose Bowl, or they could not go to a bowl, as we sit here right now. 
you don't know which way it's going to go. And that's the frustration with USC fans. But they do seem dangerous, especially, I, again, at night, you know, there at the Coliseum. I think Notre Dame is going to beat USC so bad that, that Lynn Swan has to answer questions about Clay Helton. Yeah, I, I thought that last week. And then, I don't know, it's a, it's a little bit different now with JT Daniels coming back. I may, Maybe they have a chance. But I, re- I, I think the – the story here is, I don't know what everybody thinks of Notre Dame, but I really think they're solid. I think if you have a great leadership with Ian Book, the defense speaks for itself. Dexter Williams, uh, they don't have, they don't exactly have playmakers on the edge, but I, I think they're really, really solid. I think Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool are all right. I think they're yeah. pretty good receivers. Yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, it's just, yeah, they're, they're, they can play with, with any of the other guys. Any of the non-Bama Clemson guys, mm-hmm. yeah, they're as good as any of them. They could be the third best team in the country, but still, seventeen-point underdog to Alabama. <laughs> That's right. I think yeah. it's. I think I saw twenty twenty-one was the was the spread for a Notre Dame Alabama neutral site game. And I'll take Bama. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Bama's two touchdowns better than anybody that they would play, including Clemson. Because you know what? Because you know why I see I, I see all this Travis ATN run and, and great. You know I think he's done great lately. I I see them stuffing him, and it, you know making Trevor Lawrence a gunslinger because Trevor Lawrence is going to have to beat them anyway. And that's not to say he can't, but as a freshman against that team, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We were kicking you, this. Or, oh, go ahead, Barton. No, no, you have at it. We were kicking this around earlier, Dennis. What is with Alabama's dominance? What is the like last great national storyline from a competitive standpoint? Like, is it has it reached a point where uh, a national college football fan is looking out and just disheartened by the distance between the tide and everyone else? Yeah, I, I I'm looking at Michigan. Um, I think that's a good story to see if they can get in. Uh, if if Notre Dame or uh, Clemson lose um, at the top, uh, they're going to be, or obviously they are going to be in the top four this week and what that looks like. Uh, I think that would be a tremendous win in progress for Jim Harbaugh in, in year one. Now, if they're in that fourth slot, I think they're going to be sacrificial lambs to Alabama, but but I, right now, as we sit here, I definitely think they're the best team in the Big Ten. I absolutely think they're going to win at Ohio State. Don Brown should win the Broyles Award, and and uh, and he's fulfilled his destiny, I guess, a bit in in year four by doing this. They to me, they played one bad quarter at uh, at Notre Dame, and I was at that game. And from then on, they they've outplayed everybody they played. If you're going to hire Les Miles at Kansas. You've been thinking about this. No, 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 no. Back no, as, you're, as you're talking about Don Brown, what I'm thinking is, all right, if you're going to hire 65-year-old Les Miles at Kansas, yeah. isn't shouldn't we consider Don Brown for some of these jobs? Well, Don Brown's not going to Kansas. Um, but but, And I'm not yeah. talking about Kansas specifically. Yeah. I'm just saying as jobs start popping up, shouldn't Don Brown be a name that we're talking about more as a, as a, as a viable candidate for for any sort of mid tier power five job or pro- or lower tier even yeah the the problem there is, the answer is yes and the problem is there just aren't going to be that many of those jobs available in fact very very few USC's a maybe uh, North Carolina is probably going to hire Gene Chizik or Seth Luttrell uh, Louisville. Um, yeah, maybe Louisville, but but I I think the way things have gone, Louisville is thirsting for, you know, for an offensive coach, which most ads are. Uh, I just don't think the options are there for him. Much like Les Miles last year, you know, I think he could have gotten some jobs, but there just wasn't anything that fit. So uh, I just think the number of jobs are out there, and you, just, and you don't look. He he doesn't take a job just to take a job. That can ruin your career. But I, I, your first premise is is correct. Yes, his name should be on there. As as we as we look around the country, so you 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 see potential movement at Louisville, North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, Kansas, USC. Is there any other? Is there anything else you're really keeping your eye on, keeping your finger on the pulse for as potential movements? Uh, 
I guess you still got Ohio State out there as, yeah. as possible. Um, it, it, Brandon Marcello at Auburn, uh, 24-7 Sports, said that today that Gus Malzahn will be back next year per their AD. <laughs> yeah, how about that? I saw that. Like, uh, oh, the guy you just gave $50 million will be back for the second year of his contract. Oh, right. that's great. Right. <laughs> So is there, any, is there anything else out there you're you're intrigued by or at least keeping a, keeping an eye on? It's not going to happen, but watch Florida State. Um, they're not going to get rid of him after a year. I'm talking about Willie Taggart, but right. he has to produce in year two. He just gave up play-calling duties. Uh, you know, um, East Carolina is probably going to change, but that's on the group of five level. Um, you know, like, like that uh, – it's not going to be 22 like it was last year. It's going to be more like 10, maybe. It seems to me. But, the, but you know, we say that, and then and the, the dominoes start falling. The next Sunday, everybody goes, "Hey, we got signing day in a month," and the, and everything comes crashing down. You're right. So, so here's the apocalyptic scenario. Mm-hmm. The apocalyptic scenario is USC finishes six and six and gets waxed by 35 on Notre Dame, yep. and then Clay Helton's gone. Urban Meyer, under whatever the circumstances may be is gone. Um, Lincoln Riley takes the Cowboys job. Oklahoma opens. And <laughs> and with a with a crazy NFL coaching carousel and Brian Kelly going to the playoffs with Notre Dame, oh. he seizes he seizes the opportunity finally that he's always wanted to t- yeah. to, to test the NFL waters. And then this quiet coaching season has got USC, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, right. and Ohio State all over. And then right. That's that, could be, that could be some wild. And don't forget, not on the same level. I forgot about Bill Snyder. That, that, oh, yeah. may happen, that may happen any day. I had two people call me Monday and say he's going to tell the team after practice. And I said, what? And it, that turned out not to be true, but it looks like it's it's imminent. And, and what does that look like? There'll be people scrambling for that job, and they'll – That'll be one of the most important hires of the off season because that, and it's bet when it when when they win ten games, it's a day to day proposition there to keep that from falling off a cliff. So this because, is a good, well, go this ahead. is a good, this is a good uh, question. Like I, I, I think, is is Kansas State clearly the better job than Kansas? Uh, I I, I think it like is. It, are you saying are you, are you saying that would be a big uh, that would be big if that came open because it would be a, a job that would appeal to a lot of people? I, I, yes, yeah, yes, okay. um, because they've inv- they unlike Kansas, uh, they haven't inv- they've invested in the program. They, they've invested more. Um, yeah. and everything they have there that you see is is because of Bill Snyder, and they have you know they've been scared about this day for a year for years for decades. What is what does this look like when Bill Snyder leaves? It absolutely has to be the right guy, or you're back down. That you got to get the guy that, in probably the most isolated campus in the country, maybe Pullman, at Washington State. There's no other way to do it but to recruit three stars and turn them into five stars if you can. Get transfers, get JUCOs, and fill in. That's the only way you can do it. You just can't get a top ten recruiting class there unless you're Hugh Freeze. Hey, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> So, and, and like I said, it's a day-to-day nurturing proposition that they have to keep going. So, wherever it is, another name that came up at, at Kansas that may be perfect for Kansas State is Jim Levitt at Oregon. Uh, I think he'd be hired in a minute at Kansas State, but probably couldn't be hired at Kansas because of the baggage at UC, USF, UCF. USF, sorry. So does Kansas State Kansas State takes him because of the ties? Yeah. 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 And doesn't Bielema the, where's Bielema been? Doesn't he want one of those jobs? Uh Bielema's not going there. I wrote that in the summer. Okay. Um he said he basically told me and he's really happy with the Patriots. That doesn't mean he, he wouldn't coach again, but he basically told me I would never do that to Jeff Long. You know, in other words, Jeff Long got fired because of his non-success at Arkansas. Mm. And now, now he's going to hire him at Kansas. He just wouldn't, he said he wouldn't do that. So he's not going to Kansas. And like you see him and Seth Luttrell's not going there because Seth Luttrell is better than Kansas right now. He, he would stay at North Texas for another year or two for the right job to come open rather than take Kansas. What about Kansas state for Seth Luttrell? 
Uh, I think that would be, yes, I think that would be a good landing spot for him. Uh, obviously, he's got big 12 ties. Right. He knows how to recruit the area. So, yeah, no, I think that they'd be lucky to get him. He didn't they, spend they, that they, much time in Chapel Hill. Just a little, he just spent a hot minute. No, with, two with, years uh, had had Mitch Trubisky, but not the year Mitch Trubisky start his starting year. No, he had the more successful team the year before Trubisky took over when it was Marquise Williams. Yeah. Marquise Williams. And I think they led the country in, Oh, I think plays per game or something, whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For whatever that means. Yeah. And he doesn't even as a, when I ask him that he goes, as a head coach, we don't, we're not even close to that because as a head coach, you're worried about leaving the defense on the field too long. So he doesn't even think about that stuff anymore much. He is Dennis Dodd. You can follow him on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. Uh, Dennis, are you, where are you going to be this weekend? I'm going to be home. I'm, uh-huh. I'm resting. It's not not uh, not a huge roster of games, but I'll be I'll be interested in uh, in Bedlam. Put and, uh, your eyes on my beloved Boston College Eagles and be impressed. Go to the next level. What happens? Okay, let's talk about this. What happens if Boston College wins? Clemson out or not? No, they're not out yet, but they're on the chopping block. Yeah. What What happens if Notre Dame loses to Syracuse and Michigan wins out? Andy Staples asks that one when we talk to him. Yeah, I think I think Notre Dame's out in that scenario because they don't have the thirteenth data point. Yep, I agree. And, yeah. And the comps are the comps then become Oklahoma, which could beat West Virginia twice, or frankly, a West Virginia, I guess, would beat Oklahoma twice, and uh, and Washington State, which is probably the odd man out in any scenario, um, but you know would still be sitting there at twelve and one, for sure. All right, Dennis, thank you very much. All right, thanks so much, guys.